Hey, what's up, guys? Peter Lewis. Uh, man, I'm really excited for you to listen to this message. It's called The Majesty of the Gospel. I hope it provokes you. I hope it stirs you. Um, the gospel is beautiful. It's majestic. Um, it's beyond what we could think or imagine. And so I just pray, Spirit of God, would you allow our hearts to slow down, to hear the voice of our Father, uh, and to engage uh, with His Son, Jesus. And so, love you guys so much. Hope you're blessed. We've been in a, in a three-week series on, on the gospel and, and how big it is and how um, God saves us and then he saves us and then he keeps saving us and one day he'll save us. And we've just been talking about how big it is. The gospel, when we say the gospel, it's not just this one message, one time only that you go from hell to heaven. It's, it's also the very the very life that we live in in the new covenant. It is the environment in which you and I grow up in looking like Christ. And so how many of you know God's purpose, his intent, this whole thing is unto you and I, both individually and corporately, resembling the Son of God in the earth? This is the end of our faith, is that we would look like him. See, you get born again, you get saved not just to get saved. God always saves with a purpose. Come on. Getting saved isn't the end. God always has a purpose to his salvation. And the purpose of him saving us from sin and death and depravity was so that he could form his image inside of us and that we could grow up into him and that we would look like him. This is your high calling. If you want to know what you're called to in life, you're called to grow up into him. You can see, and, and here's why it's beautiful, because you can be a banker, you can be a, a mom, you can be a dad, you can be um, a lawyer, you can be an accountant, a math teacher, a professional athlete, you can be... Uh, in transition, praise God. How many of you in transition? I know a lot of you just captured a lot of you I speak with. <laughs> Seems like everyone these days are in transition, praise God. And, and you can be in transition, yet you can still be like him. And you can manifest his love and his beauty and his character and his nature wherever you are. This is our high calling. See, this, what I'm doing, isn't whether this isn't it, this isn't like the pinnacle of Christianity. My job is actually to serve you in your faith, in your journey, to equip you so that we, the church, can actually manifest Christ in the world. It's the purpose of this gathering is we connect, we, 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 we meet with God, we touch his heart by loving on him, and then he transforms us into his image, and we're made like him. Amen? So... That's what's at stake tonight. Um, let's look at Romans 5.17. We'll pray and we'll hop in and see what he has to say to us. Romans 5.17 says this. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness 
reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So, Father, tonight we come to you and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe upon your word, that you would speak, that your voice, God, would come into this room. God, that you would speak through my voice, but you would speak to people's hearts tonight. God, I ask that everything that causes us to resist your voice and your speaking and your love and your spirit, God, that you would remove it tonight. That you would silence every distraction, every worry, every fear. That you would have mercy on us tonight. That you would give us grace to hear what you're speaking to us. To receive it, Lord. To receive your word into our hearts and that it would bear 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I love this verse. If, yeah, I love this verse. So let's break this down because this is what's at stake tonight. This is a big verse, a big promise. This is a Mount Everest. Uh, of, of promises in Christianity. He says this. I'm going to read it again. Uh, if because of one man's sin, he's referring to Adam, death reigned through that one man. So when Adam sinned, death, death began to reign over the earth and over you and I and over humanity. Death was master. Okay? Not a lot of amens. <laughs> Amen? Death was master through Adam. So everyone that was born into Adam was born under the reign of death. Because death reigned through sin. Okay, so, so a transgression occurred, and as soon as that sin happened, death began to reign and sin was perpetuated and death was perpetuated and mankind was ever moving towards the grave. If someone's in, not in Christ, their entire life is moving towards the grave. It's moving towards death because death reigns over those who are not in Christ. Wow. Amen. So he says this. So if that was true, if death reigned, you have to picture, I'm a real simple guy. You got to picture like this big scary monster death reigning through what Adam did, through the sin. So that means he's master, he's king, he's leader over mankind. Everyone prior to Christ was under his rule and reign. He had to die. There was no escaping. Death was master, death was ruler, death was king. And he reigned through sin. And Paul is writing, he's saying, if that was so, then I need you to understand something. He's saying much more Will those, say those. I love that word. I love that word. Those. Oh, those. Who? Those guys. Those ones. Who is it? It's those. It's not, see, those, those doesn't discriminate. There's no class system in those. 
There's no race or socioeconomic status in those. There's no political affiliation in those. There's a those. Oh, we got to figure out who those are. Those who receive. Say receive. receive. Now say it with a smile on your face. Receive. receive. Oh, receive. <laughs> receive. Those who receive the abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness, much more will those who receive abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness, those ones will reign, reign, I said reign, in life through him. Ha ha. You were created to reign. To reign in this life as a king. Some translations say to reign as a king in this life. This is what's at stake. The abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will cause you and I to reign in life. This does not mean in our reign we will not face trials. It means that we will face them with a level of dominion and confidence and authority and peace and divinity and spirit that doesn't belong to us because our life is in him. So you gotta, you gotta put the, the dipstick in the oil of your spiritual life into check. Am I reigning in life? Let me, let me check. Let me just, let me dip it down in there. If you know I'm talking about cars, you dip it in. And if you pull it out in your oil, if the thing is wrong, you're like, oh, I need to change my oil or I need to put oil in there. Heaven forbid you put it in and it's dry. It comes out dry. Your, your car is in trouble. I burned up a 1977 Chevy pickup. Yeah, it was sad. If you don't put oil in the car, it's done. How many of you done that? Ladies, there's, no, just kidding. That's rude. That is rude. I did it so I can say that, okay? That's a joke. All right. You can email reward if you have a problem with that. <laughs> so you got to check. Now, what does it mean to reign in life? Reign in life means this. It means that you're, you're, you're walking in freedom from sin. It doesn't mean that you're not being tempted. It doesn't mean it's not coming at you. It means that there's a level of freedom God has wrought in your life. It means that you have peace in the midst of chaos and trials. It means that you are, are not allowing circumstances to crush you. You're actually, through your communion and relationship with the living God, you're rising above real obstacles and real challenges, and you're conquering them in faith. And this is what's at stake. But sometimes I feel like we get this spiritual soup called grace and righteousness and faith and you know, all these things, come on, how many of you are like, oh, this just seems hard to like, to parse out. Are you with me? Like when you hear this, then you sh your heart should immediately say, well, then how do I get this abundance of grace 
in this free gift of righteousness. Because if you're not reigning in life, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to just start trying to flex on life. Because if you, if you live by the flesh and what you think you should do, you're going to stay over here where death is master. Because death is master over the flesh. But Christ is Lord of the Spirit. I remember when I was in South Africa, and this was a while back, and we, we were doing an outreach in the townships. We were in Cape Town, uh, Red Hill, Cape Town. And it's called Red Hill because it's red dirt on a hill, and it's gorgeous. But there was a, a township, which was a, a shanty development uh, in, this, in this little place. And it was, man, it was really intense. One of the first days we got there, um, it was our welcome. We were like, we were with this mission organization. They were like, you're going to minister in this township. And we were like, okay, awesome. And we were just, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know eager for the Lord. The Lord's going to move and South Africa is going to be saved. I mean, that was the only option. And a worldwide revival, you know, sprouting up from our mission trip. And we go in there and there was a guy literally trying to kill a guy with one of the wives whose guy was, whose husband was being killed, screaming, like yelling at the top of her lungs. He had this giant boulder and he's like about to crush this guy's head. And this lady's screaming. We were like, wow, this is, they were like, welcome, you know? And um, so we, we couldn't really, uh, there was no open doors. And so we just worshiped for a few days. We just like posted up and did what we knew how to do. We had a wonderful worship leader with us. We started worshiping and we finally got invited to this guy's house. Long story short, Selvin gives his life to the Lord. He was a, uh, a kind of a drug dealer. He was addicted to marijuana. And so he surrenders to Jesus. He heard the gospel. He's like, I'm ready to live my life for him. We were like, great, let's go baptize you. And so Selvin had like, I don't know, like two sets of clothes. And so we, we bring all of his clothes down to the ocean. We were there in, in Fish Hook or somewhere. And um, we, we baptize him and we pull him up out of the water and we celebrate and it's awesome. And Selvin has been baptized. And circumstantially, he still lived in the shanty in Red Hill. And we're walking back, just he and I, it was a very ordinary moment, yet it was, it was heavenly, I'll never forget it. And I'm walking with Selvin and we get his clothes and, and I said, Selvin, how do you feel? And he looked at me and he looked at me different than when, before he went into the waters. And I swear if I could have seen in the spirit, he would have like, he, his chest was puffed out a little more. He stood a little taller and he looked at me right in my eyes and he says, I feel like a king. And he meant it. He said, I feel like a king. And see, in a moment, in a moment, he identified with Christ and he came up out of the waters a king. He came up a king. And and even though nothing in his life changed in the natural, he began to reign in life from that day because he had received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And so I want to I wanna position you tonight and just give you some practical, some tools to, um, to really understand how spiritually how this stuff works because sometimes it can seem like how come that person has spiritual power and anointing and how do I get that? Well, maybe it's they pray and maybe that I want to demystify all that. Can we do that tonight? 
Can we just level the playing field? Because uh, you are all, you are all called to reign in life through Jesus Christ. So let me do this. I'm going to give you a, a quick little cursory overview. You can write this down, but this is really important. So you've got these ingredients. You've got, you've got the gospel. You've got Jesus. You've got grace. You've got righteousness. Um, what else did I say? Faith. So you got the gospel, Jesus, grace, righteousness, faith, salvation, sin, this whole thing, right? So we're going we're gonna to quickly dissect this spiritual soup so that we can understand how do we receive grace and righteousness and how do we continue in it? Because grace is abundant. The Christian life from beginning to end is grace. In case no one told you that, in case you've been like, if you're a tired Christian, here's why. You're not living by grace. You're living by your own works. See, the grace of God is amazing. Paul said, man, I risked my life to testify to the gospel of grace. He did. It's everything. The grace of God is how you pray. It's how you walk with God. It's how you wake up in the morning. It's how you share the gospel. It's how you worship. It's how you see God. It's how you dream. It's how you walk in righteousness. It's how you... It's grace from beginning to end. It's not your own strength. It's the grace of God. So let me show you how this works. When you and I got born again, and I'm trusting that most people here are born again. If you're not, um, I pray that, that tonight you get born again. Amen? But here's what happened is you heard a revelation of Jesus. Okay? So you heard someone declare to you that Jesus came. He was God in the flesh. He died on a cross. He was crucified for your sins. He was buried, and three days later, he came to life. And he did this because he loved you, because he wanted relationship with you, because he wanted to be in covenant with you. And if you will surrender your life to him, and you will pray, and you will confess him as Lord, you can actually be born again, receive eternal life, have the forgiveness of sins, and you can now live in relationship with God. Amen? So you heard that. And so when you heard that and you saw that Jesus did that, you got an opportunity to have faith. You were at a crossroads. You could have had faith in God and go, yes, I want that. Or you could have said, no thanks, I'm good. I don't believe that. I don't receive that. I'm gonna harden my heart to that. You had an option. Amen? Now, that, that valley of decision that God brought you to, by his grace, you said yes. Oh, it was his grace that called you to himself, that gave you power to say yes to him. And so when you said yes, I want you to see this. It started with your eyes, then your ears. So you saw Jesus, you heard the word of Christ. All of a sudden, Jesus began to author something called faith, which is a substance. It's when your life connects with his. It's a, it's a touch point. It's a substance. Are you with me? And when you touched him, the Bible says this. It says that he released his grace to you. Now, God's grace is his power. It's his spirit. Biblically, you'll see those words exchanged. The grace of God and the power of God, you'll see him exchange those words. So, so this is how it looked like. You were dead in your sins, you were stuck. Death was your master. You had sin. You, the wrath of God was on you, like John 3. Like you were in a mess. In his power, his grace came. The moment you put your faith and he began to scrub and apply the blood of Jesus in the work of the cross, in the work of your Messiah, he began to apply that to your life and make you clean like Jesus. 
about 18 of you appreciate and remember that moment. Oh, don't you ever outgrow your appreciation of what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, our condition in the church today is because we've outgrown and we've bypassed and we've said, what's next? And we've kept scrolling on the screen and God says, I don't have another post. It's my son. I'm serious. This is what's at stake. We've scrolled on looking for grace and he goes, I don't have another one. That's it. I'm sorry. If you're bored of that, then I've got nothing for you. I gave you my son. And we wonder why we're not reigning in life. Because we so quickly pull our attention away from that which he said. It's high time we reign in life, church. So he takes us and he, he washes us in his blood and he takes his grace and he, and he scrubs you and he makes you clean. And he saves you from your sins. And he forgives you everything you did wrong, every transgression. And he doesn't just forgive what you did. He actually takes the thing that did it, the sinner aspect of you, and he puts it in a grave. He buries it, wraps it in grave clothes, and says it's not going to come out again. Wow. His grace does that. But then, listen, I want you to see this. His grace also doesn't just take sin away from us. See, his grace also imparts to us the very righteousness of Christ. How many of you believe Jesus is righteous? Clean, pure, divine. Grace, by the power of God, through faith, when you see his resurrection and you hear of his resurrection, he takes your blood-washed heart and he goes, man, I'm now going to write the very laws of God on your heart. Meaning, what does that mean? That's God's old-fashioned way of saying, I'm going to program you with hardware. You now have a hardware called a new heart. Oh, man. You have a brand new operating system internally that is divine. That's the righteousness of God as a gift that you received, which means as a born-again believer, you and I are hardwired to walk righteously. You're wired for it. So when you wake up in the morning, it's like all of a sudden, if you realize this and your eyes are opened, you can thank God that, wow, today I'm wired to actually fulfill the will of God. I'm wired to hear his voice. I'm wired to step into the good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in him for we are his workmanship created in him for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't even prepare your works. God's ahead of you preparing all of your good works. And he's just saying, keep walking with me. So you've got, you've got Jesus, the gospel, which is a revelation of his son, and through the gospel comes the grace of God and the righteousness of God, which saves us and makes us like him. Yes, sir. And in that place, we were called to live. And the reason why so many of us had failed to continue in the faith, I don't believe, is because we've failed because we don't want to. It's because our gospel has been small. 
and we haven't known how to continue in the faith. Meaning, we got born again once, but we're like, okay, now that I'm saved, what do I do now? Anyone? Like, you, you remember that born again moment, and you're like, oh, that felt so good. I felt so much power. I felt so much joy. I felt so much freedom. But now, where is it? Come on. Like, where is it? I want to show you where it is. Can I do that? Or can you put that up for me, the, the first part of the chart? Yeah, look at this. My friend, my friend Aaron drew, drew this, and then we made it, and then Joe Awesome made it digital amazing. So, so Hebrews 1, y'all stay with me. I'm going to fly through this. Hebrews 1, you can look this up, make notes. You can probably get a hold of this somewhere, take a picture of it. Hebrews 1 says this, that in the last days God spoke by the prophets to the people, but in these days he has spoken to us, son. So, so God, if you're wanting to know, here, if you came to church, you're like, what is God saying today in the earth today? I can tell you, he's saying son. Not enough amens. <laughs> you're like, that's not what I wanted. Well, that's what he's saying. I'm serious. Everything you need to face what we're facing in 2021, are we in 21? Yeah, in 21, is found in that word. There is, there is enough grace and righteousness and spirit power and anointing and fire and all the things you want in the voice. Psalm 29.4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful, it's full of majesty. So when God speaks, son, you better listen. Because the last time God spoke, this whole thing was created. Oh, y'all didn't get, y'all didn't miss that. See, when God opens his mouth, things happen. He's like, he's like, let there be light. Stars. He's like, let there be. Come on. He's like, he said he wanted to speak to a son, and he didn't just say son. When God wanted to say son, you know what he did? He began to knit in Mary's womb. See, God's very words took on life, took on flesh. The word of God, Christ himself, came. He is the word of God. Jesus' life, not just what he said, not just what he did, but who he is, is what God's saying to us. You got to hear this. When God spoke and wanted to speak to you and I, he said, son, when you see that word, you're like, I see a three-letter word. You've got to look at the very life of Jesus. He began to knit from, from age past, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, this plan. He began to knit God Almighty in the womb of a woman, the incarnation. Are you kidding me? What? We're just going to skate past it? And not live as believers in the earth with our jaws open going, are you kidding me? Like, this is good news. This is not history. See, church, I'm afraid we live as though the gospel's history. Like some history book. It doesn't say the gospel literally means good news. means every morning you get a newspaper from heaven. Son! And you read it and you're like, Wow! And the reason you say, wow, because grace and righteousness and spirit flows every time you hear good news and your heart is supple and soft and tender towards it. 
come on, but I'm afraid our attention has been captured by other things. You're like, why is he yelling? Because of what I'm looking at. I'm not okay, but I've never been better. I'm, not, I'm, I'm undone inside because of who he is. I'm undone. I live undone inside because of who he is. Listen, I'm not talking to you as one who doesn't walk through like radical pain and trials. I've, I'm married. I have five kids. I've got a ministry. Like things, life happens. Painful things happen. But there's life and grace and son and his voice. And the condition of your heart matters. It matters. You've got to pay attention to your heart. What does your heart do when you hear him say, son? Does it say, I know. And for many of us, it does. It says, I know what you're saying. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. No more than a waiter serves you water that you know. I keep saying this. It just hits right. You go to a restaurant and a waiter serves you water. And can you imagine someone coming in thirsty? And they sit down at the table and the waiter brings them water. And they go, I wanted something else. And they knock it over. They say, I know what that is. That's water. What? It's not about what you know. Just drink it, man. Just drink it. You're thirsty. See, water is meant to be taken in. It's meant to be received. And the majesty of the gospel, the majesty of the son is meant to be imbibed. He's meant to be consumed with your affection and your attention. So put the, put the rest of them there down to the, the unsearchable. Yeah, you can just put it up there because we're so, so God speaks son but the gift of the gospel is that it reveals Jesus to us. And we, this is a continuation of the series. If you haven't listened to the messages, you can go back. Um, but I believe that, that these three distinct aspects of Jesus as our Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he's our high priest who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he's our bridegroom judge who will one day baptize this whole thing in fire. Amen. He's coming back to marry us and to judge the living and the dead. And this triune revelation of Christ is connected to son. See, many of us hear son, we're like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to interface with that. And I want to tell you that's okay. Have you ever been frustrated in environments like this? People say, look to Jesus. It's frustrating. I've been there. I'm like, I don't know where to look. Come on. Y'all don't, y'all going to be honest and pretend like you're like, okay, I, I got it. I'm going to look right at him. Where is he? You've never asked this question? Hey, guys, I want you to just look to Jesus right now. Where? Where do I look? And, and through this wrestling and frustration and tension, I've had to ask God, God, you have to show me what to look at. And he says, I want you to look at any one of these. And from Jesus flows what the Bible calls in Ephesians 3.8 the unsearchable riches of Christ. And you can throw those up there. And this is what come to, comes to us through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. You see things up there like we're forgiven. Our old man is buried. The devil is destroyed. <laughs> Every time I say that one, I just get tickled. 
That's Hebrews 2, in case you didn't know. The Bible says, through death, that's the Messiah, that's the Lamb of God, through death, he destroyed the one who held the power of death, that is the devil. That should make you want to kick this podium over and run around this room. This other one, John 16, the world has been overcome. We should live, we should walk around as, they should be like, oh, those are the believers. Why? How do you know? Because they're walking around with this goofy grin on their face. They're living in peace. They're looking at the same pandemic, the same unrest, but something's wrong with those folks. They're so joyful. They act as if nothing in this world is going to bother them, and it's because it doesn't. And I'm grieved. Yeah, this guy's going to follow me around and just blow the shofar. Come on. You and I, we're going to go on the road together and just preach the everlasting gospel. Wake people up. I... I've been so grieved and stirred in my spirit at believers grumbling and mumbling and be crying what's happening in the world. I declare to you the words of our master, take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. So, so do we put our head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend like it doesn't happen? No. You, you go out into the world with the gospel with bright eyes as ministers of reconciliation looking at the world saying, not counting men's trespasses against them. I forgive you by the blood of Jesus. Receive the gospel. Be born again. Be forgiven. Be loved by God. God loves you. And God wants to put the gospel of Jesus back in our hearts so that it will come out of our mouths. And the battle, my friends, is for your attention. It's your attention. Your attention is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mark Zuckerberg's living high in hog heaven on your attention. He's cashing in on it every single day. Your attention and my attention. And we think that social media and these things are the issue. It's not the issue. It's that we don't know what to do with our attention. And for many of us, our gospel has been, has been a single tense. It's been past tense. It's, it's not this majesty. It's not this, this thing to behold. Do you understand that any one of these things you could camp out on for, for a decade and never get tired of? I've been looking at the gospel for 15 years straight. You're like, what do you do? What do you study? I just do this. This is it. I finally, this is the first time I've ever said this. This is all I do. Like, I've stared at that for 15 years. I want you to know this. I've stared at it. I've, like, wandered in the canals of the Spirit down what it means to be born again and to have peace with God and the blood to bring me near. And I've stared at it. And in the staring, this, this substance called grace and righteousness has poured out. And it's like, and like... I'm not the same. Something happened in the staring and I'm giving my attention over to this one thing. I'm like, oh, wow. And, and it's filled me and it's real. It's real. And sin and death and discouragement and depression and depravity and suicide and all the mess of this world doesn't have a hold on the gospel. 
on our Jesus. So I want to provoke you tonight. I want to stir you up to put your attention and your affection back on the Lord. Because the Bible says this, today, today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, today, right now, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. And you say, what's he saying? Son, what does that mean? It's the voice. His voice is the sound of many waters. Many waters. And so every single day for the rest of your life, I want to tell you something. There is grace. There is power. There is life. There is dominion. You can reign in life through Jesus Christ by beholding with your eyes and your ears the word of Christ. When the Bible says the word of Christ, it's referring to the fullness, the unsearchable riches and majesty of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so my, my challenge to us tonight as we close is that you really allow God to examine your heart. God, have I, have I made a small gospel in my life? Have I made this something of like now that I've just moved on, that this, this is something to be central that this is the core of your Christian faith, your Christian walk, is that this gospel would be big and majestic, that you could never, ever, ever, ever say, oh, I figured it out. Because I've stared at it for 15 years. I, I literally, that's no lie. I've stared at these truths in the scriptures. Morning after morning, I've stared at it, and I'm like, I have not even began to scratch the surface of the beauty and the majesty and the power and the goodness, and, and I don't know how to tell you this, but it's touched every area of my life. It's touched my marriage. It's touched my finances. It's touched my health. It's touched my relationships. It, it does everything. It does everything. I can't, I can't describe that to you in time. If we had like more hours, I, I could try, but like it, whatever you need tonight, if you need affirmation, validation, if you've had trauma, if you have suicide, if, like, I don't know what it is. If you need healing, if your marriage is broken, if your children are wayward, everything, all the grace and the majesty is found in his name. But my hope and my, and my desire tonight wasn't just to frustrate you by saying it's in his name. It's to break this down so that you can see, wow, if all you can see is that Jesus was on a cross and that's the only thing you can see and that's the only thing he's speaking to you, then just stay there. Just stay there. And let him speak to you and marinate in that place until you receive that which you were intended to receive from your father. Because his desire is that you would reign in life. Amen? Amen. Did, did he leave? Did y'all leave? You text him. Will you come up too? I just want to pray for you guys for just a few minutes as we close. Is this helpful?
If you've never, ever received Jesus, I want you to receive him tonight. I want you to get right with God. I want you to just surrender all. When he died on that cross, it was actually God saying, I love you so much, will you marry me? It was God's proposal to mankind. It's incredible that God would want to marry us. But he did, and he does, and he will. And I just want to give you an opportunity tonight, if that's you, and sometimes people say, well, let's everyone close their eyes, but you know, on my wedding day, I wanted everyone to see me. I really did. So I just, if that's you, we just, you can close your eyes, you can just lift your hands. It's unto the Lord. Yes, it's in the presence of your family, but we've all done this. And, and it's not just a private thing with God, it's a public confession. We belong to Jesus. I am absolutely, I'll just tell you tonight, I am absolutely unashamed of my love for God. I'm unashamed of my zeal tonight that was displayed. I'm unashamed of it. Like, and I, I, die, I had to dial it back so you guys could understand me. Because if I just gave full vent, I would just, I don't know, I would have thrown this thing. I would have broken something. I would have kicked Wesley over there. Just punched him right in the gut for no reason, just out of my sheer excitement. <laughs> Being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, his friend, his lover, it's the greatest privilege and the greatest honor of my life. It's the highest honor. It's the greatest joy.